hello hello this is ame and this is akshansh and welcome to what i believe is episode 7 of are you bored yet a podcast about a lot of things but essentially about everything pop culture yep welcome back and it is episode 7 uh we are just three shot of hitting the double digits uh, exciting times ame what did you say i would say this is very exciting i wouldn't have thought as capable of this kind of uh commitment and perseverance towards anything that takes actual work but <laughs> hey i am very very pleasantly surprised yeah and this is uh, good news to anyone who wants to date ame in the future he is ready to settle down he is ready to commit so reach out whoever mm-hmm. wants to shoot your shot shoot your shot mm-hmm. this is the thing mm-hmm. uh, what are we talking about today <laughs> um today we are talking about something that uh, i guess fans on the internet have been clamoring for for a while now they've had hashtags they've had petitions we are of course talking about zack snyder's justice league or as it's known in popular parlance the snyder cut the snyder cut yeah but were you one of the snyder bros I wouldn't say I was one of the smart Snyder bros because I'm not personally a big fan of the man or his work. Mm-hmm. But I mean you could tell from watching the original cut of Justice League that it was a bit of a hodgepodge of different uh, ideas and just no thematic consistency. There were a lot yeah. of weird jokes, a lot of just straight up half-baked VFX. Yeah. No no character growth for some of the characters I'm looking at Cyborg basically Ray Fisher. Yeah. And um to my surprise this uh 4 hour long <laughs> new cut by yeah. the man himself Zack Snyder fixes a lot if not all of the popular issues that the court Justice League had. which was uh, <laughs> finally uh directed by a combination of Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon who was brought in later to fix it when uh Zack Snyder had to deal with the family emergency it, it was i haven't seen the theatrical version from but from what i've heard of it it is like a hot mess Yeah, and I'm glad that I did not watch it and just dived into the four-hour version uh, of Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. Mm-hmm. It it made a lot of sense. It had, as you said, you know, compelling backstories for each and every character, and it doesn't bode well for Josh or Josh Sweden rather um, to to have just completely discounted for backstories for uh, Ray, like. race character cyborg you know a person of color and then then wonder woman reducing her pretty much to something of an eye candy on the movie right like with no sort of real stake in what's happening mm-hmm. and the director himself has been sort of pro- problematic um actors have come out and and said things about him which which is is really you know disturbing mm-hmm. um and it's It sort of sucks because one of my favorite Avengers movie is like the OG Avenger movie that he directed, mm-hmm. and and he he is talented at the end of the day if he puts his mind to it, I guess. But it's just sad that you know he seems to be an asshole behind all of it. Yeah, so. I guess I guess no amount of talent can justify being an asshole to your uh, cast and crew. Yeah, yeah. 
on, on to happier things. I mean, I guess happier things. Zack Snyder's Justice League is also a little dark towards the end. And we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, but it's not devoid of humor. Yeah, that is true. It is not. Um, and it, it's not like the Marvel-esque kind of humor. And we have talked about this before, right? Where DC and Marvel are completely different in how they approach humor. Mm-hmm. Um but there's quite a bit of it, and and it's nicely executed. It it's it even though it's four hours long, it didn't seem like it was four hours long, which is a compliment. Yeah, it's it's sort of break, broken up into the six chapters, mm-hmm. and uh, it was supposed to be uh, viewed sort of in an episodic fashion. But I think it's, yeah. it's it actually plays best when you watch the whole thing from front to back in one go. And honestly, yeah. yeah, like you said, it doesn't really feel like it's four hours long at any point because the flow is really nice. The characters get a lot of time to breathe and grow. Um, mm-hmm. The movie has a lot of slow motion and I mean a lot. Uh, I think yeah. I read at some point that uh, 24 minutes of the movie is slow motion or something. And it, it just means that the movie is just... Uh, taking its time with things and it's not cramming too much into it and i think that's fine let's let's dive into the chapters a little bit now um okay right off the bat your favorite uh top two chapters in in that entire four-hour journey so personally for me i think uh, the initial chapter where batman is just sort of trying to recruit everyone that's that's pretty yeah. cool and uh yeah uh so the movie is sort of shot in this uh, four to three uh, aspect ratio, as opposed to the sixteen nine that we're used to, and yeah. uh, I actually think it adds something to the way it's framed. It looks, it looks different. It looks nicer. Um, mm-hmm. It opens with Batman trying to recruit all these other people who don't want to be on a team. He goes first yeah. to Aquaman, and uh, I think that scene has a lot of character development for Aquaman and it sort of ends with this uh, folk song. Yeah, this very haunting folk song and it it might feel overindulgent when you're watching it but later on it feels nice. It's just it's just there and uh, it sort of shows you how these uh, villagers where Aquaman shows up every once in a while to get drunk and whatever help them with their problems and just use as his Mm -hmm. uh, human home base uh and how they revere him as as a god and snyder does a lot of that in general where even when he's introducing us to um ezra's uh, flash um we sort of get to see and learn a lot more about him through i guess him applying for a job mm-hmm. um and he fleshes out the characters better. Uh, personally, for me, I think uh, when characters are concerned, uh, important to note that he gave Ray Fisher, uh, or rather his character, quite a bit of uh, time on the screen. I think that's in Beloved Mother, Beloved Son, which is part three of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, where we learn a lot more about uh, Flash and Cyborg both. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it was nice to see where Cyborg is coming from because generally Cyborg is just reduced to this sort of side character. <laughs> um, you don't really care about much, but he brings to the team a lot of potential and in fact is one of the most instrumental people at the end uh, when he fights uh, Steppenwolf uh, 
and then figures out the stuff with the so-called mother boxes or the change machines or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and he's sort of the main uh, interface between the world and the mother boxes because uh, they were sort of responsible in making him into cyborg because uh, after his accident, his his dad who works at Star Labs sort of uses the mother box to um, help him and uh, makes him into half man, half machine. Yeah, and that was such a tragic storyline, right? Like the whole family getting, uh, uh, you know, falling apart due to an accident and then uh, the dad uh, who who loves his son but cannot really emote, and then the son who thinks the father does not love him. Yeah, like it's a lot. It's a lot of meat for the character. I agree. I really like that chapter as well. But personally, my uh, other favorite chapter was uh, Change Machine, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 feels very nice just to see all these characters come together and uh, yeah, sort of have their first. Uh, fight as a group along uh, against uh, Darkseid's minions. Yeah. And uh, I actually like, uh, personally, as uh, as a fan, I like uh, the characters in Justice League more than I like the Avengers because growing up, there used to be a lot of these animated movies for Justice League yeah. and Superman. Yeah. And they used to play on like Cartoon Network all the time. And those were like the definitive versions of the movie. So when we first uh, yeah. watched uh the justice league uh it felt like a huge disappointment because it didn't live up to that uh, that kind of energy that kind of chemistry that uh, that this team is supposed to have amongst themselves and uh i think uh, the snyder cut fixes that to a great extent yeah i think joss Whedon might have um might have tried to paint it in the same vein of a marvel movie which will not work for dc characters ever uh, th- there is uh, also the thing about you mentioned the format right four is to three mm-hmm. uh, it, it does add quite a bit to the viewing experience i agree however it was shot because they wanted to release it in the imax format or whatever mm-hmm. assuming the world was still you know working normally and not in the throes of a pandemic um on the on the screen though when you're watching it because i know ame you have a projector so for you it must have been a very cool experience but i was just watching it on like a it was a big tv but still a tv right yeah the sides were cut off yeah and it didn't translate as well so i was like uh, maybe is this the smartest move to make if, if you're releasing it on hbo max to subscribers like i don't know yeah that that, that makes sense and going back to the movie now and talking a little bit more about the bad guys um we of course have Steppenwolf, who is who is uh, looks like a bunch of needles, like, like a bunch of sentient needles. Yeah, like something out of a Cronenberg movie. <laughs> yeah, and I actually really appreciate the redesign in the uh, Snyder cut. Like in the original, yeah. he looked pretty bland and just like a generic gray monster, CGI monster, and this uh, redesign makes him look very very cool, honestly. There's actually one scene where uh, he gets hit by an arrow and uh, the arrow just goes through the armor, but uh, he sort of just flexes and the armor snaps the arrow into two and it just breaks off him. And that's pretty cool. Just the, the effects were insanely cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. There's a lot of attention to detailing. I was going through this thread on Twitter where uh, someone had put images of like Steppenwolf and other characters 
back to back between uh, the theatrical release from Whedon mm-hmm. and, and the Zack Snyder cut. And you could see that uh, in Whedon, they are just like reduced to these Sesame Street type characters. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then, and in Zack Snyder, they actually look menacing and they look like they're going to kill you. Um, so that was nice. <laughs> Speaking, speaking a little more about Steppenwolf, um, yeah. did you notice his, uh, his puppy dog eyes whenever he's talking to Darkseid? His, his eyes just go large and sort of very wet eyes. And it almost looks like he's about to burst into tears at any second now. It does. And it seemed like that, that bromance was quite strong. I mean, it's not really a bromance because Darkseid banishes uh, Steppenwolf, if I remember correctly, for, for messing something up. Maybe he wronged a bro, but, you know, mm-hmm. if he's a bro, he's going to be a bro for life. So, But yeah, da- Darkseid also looks so menacing in the movie. Like, I-, I saw the, you know, the comparison shots between Whedon and Snyder's um, Darkseid. And Snyder's Darkseid looks like, again, like he's going to, you know, find that anti-life equation and fuck things up, which he does, apparently. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all about math. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is sort of sad, but I guess it's okay. Can we talk a little bit about the Age of Heroes, where they show all these uh, old-time heroes, uh, just sort of Atlanteans, uh, humans, Amazons, and there's even a Green Lantern who is sort of uh, part of protecting the sector that Earth is in at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And uh, I thought that was a pretty cool scene, uh, especially especially explaining a lot of backstory and a lot of the motivations of uh, Darkseid and Steppenwolf. And Darkseid doesn't know that this is where he lost the the math equation. And uh, that's sort of the main, one of the main motivations of Steppenwolf to find and conquer Earth. So it goes from being a movie uh, about the mother boxes unleashing hell on Earth to being a movie towards the end where Darkseid uh, understands that, okay, it maybe it's bigger than the mother boxes and now we need to find this anti-life equation to actually control all living objects in the universe. So it would make him essentially the strongest person in the universe, right? Yeah. Uh, it's something like, it's the equivalent, of course, is uh, Thanos having all the Infinity Stones. But this, is, this goes way above. beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it fixes also this idea of why always us, you know, why always Earth. And then you, DC tells you, okay, Earth because anti-life equation. That's true. And then and in, in Marvel, you don't really get that sort of reasoning. Why always Earth? Why Black Panther? Why Iron Man? Why Captain America? Why the others on Earth? But, but these guys are like, you know, Earth is important because of so and so. That's true. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Also, one of the things about the movie that stayed with me was uh, the way Snyder teases us about uh, some of the upcoming, potentially upcoming movies that he wanted to direct, or I don't know if he's going to direct now. The hypothetically, potentially upcoming movies that <laughs> may have been uh, made if uh, Justice League had been a hit. Yes, I think that explains it. Yeah. If, if Also, if Warner Brothers have, had been less of, you know, the entire management team was less of an idiot, but... We'll see. It's just too much uh, meddling in creative affairs by people who don't understand the creative side of things. And I think that that, is, that has been the main thing that has been working against uh, the DC extended universe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
and then and Snyder, even though he knows that he may or may not get to direct these movies, he he does give the fans what they're clamoring for, and he does give them that nightmare sequence towards the epilogue, right? Yeah. Um, nightmare with a K, of course. Yeah. The the epilogue scenes are actually pretty cool. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Yeah. Now uh, you get to see Joker. <laughs> he doesn't actually say that we live in a society, though. That's it felt kind of like a tease that they gave us in the trailer, but it, it doesn't make its way into the movie. And I was I was very disappointed. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it would have been nice to have that. Um, I did enjoy him just being there by himself, though. Um, and then then I also enjoyed like the change in the appearances for uh, Mira and uh, uh, the Flash. What is up with Mira's accent though? She keeps like it. It keeps it. It's a bit all over the place. It is. Um, she has a British accent in one movie, and the other movie she's just speaking like an American. It's yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe uh, she has trouble translating from whatever fish language she speaks underwater <laughs> English. Perhaps. Um... <laughs> And uh, who else do we see? We see Deathstroke with like a cool mohawk-ish type haircut. Yeah, in this uh, alternate sequence. And that's yeah. that's pretty cool. Going to the other uh, epilogue scenes a little bit. We also see Martian Manhunter in this movie, which is, I think, personally a great addition. Yeah. Uh, he's played by... Uh, not played by, but uh, Martian Manhunter is uh, described, uh, disguised on Earth as... General Swanwick, who we see in a couple of the movies before this, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually really like his design as well. And uh, he shows up telling Lois Lane to go back to being a reporter and stop being mopey about Superman's death. Yeah, which, and... which, uh, just a second there though, I did not understand why he did that. Like, I understood why the world needed Lois Lane, but out of solving all of the other problems, Martian Manhunter suddenly goes to Lois Lane and, 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 and says, Oh, you know what? You should go back to reporting. That will fix everything. You know what? There's, there's not enough dedication to quality reporting. <laughs> and I appreciate the fact that, that he cares about journalism, uh, unbiased, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> well-researched journalism yeah. let's, let's give him some credit for that sure let's let's do that but it's still it's still pretty weird that he goes to uh, batman towards the end and he's like oh you know what you guys did a good job i could have helped but i did not <laughs> you guys you guys passed your audition you are worthy of me joining your team <laughs> <laughs> very very rajnikanth vibes from him. <laughs> um uh, and who, who else are we missing? Is there any other character that we did not get to talk about? I guess Superman, but I sort of hate Superman because he's just this big Jim uh, Bro Dumbo. Yeah, but he's the big Jim Bro Dumbo who they spend most of the movie trying to resurrect. And, yeah, no. Uh, once he shows up, everything is like just super easy, barely an inconvenience for them. Yeah, which is so sad. I was like, why do you need a Jim Bro to bail you out of situations? <laughs> I mean, he is a very strong Jim Bro. Yeah, that's true. Plus, I'd also like to talk about the black suit a little bit. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think the black suit looks probably... Uh, I think it's probably the coolest superhero suit I have seen since... Spider-Man Black. The black suit yeah. in Spider-Man yeah. 3. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You knew where I was going with it. Although, I don't know. Like, the black suit, is that made for resurrection? Because I felt like it might have been better suited for the black suit to be on him during the nightmare sequence, right? 
Probably. Maybe they just wanted to give him more footage in the black suit because it looks so goddamn cool. That is true. Yeah, it did look very cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, when he shows up, everyone's just like, oh, Superman's here. And then Steppenwolf almost dies within a matter of minutes. <laughs> and uh, within a matter of minutes, Darkseid comes to this epiphany that, you know, screw the mother boxes. I'm going to find the actual thing that I'm looking for, the anti-life equation. And mm-hmm. the implication is that, that, that Lois Lane was pregnant is potentially dead now and uh, Darkseid got control of the anti-life equation and started controlling Superman and the Earth is this, you know, almost scorched, destroyed planet and members of uh, the opposing factions, uh, people that Batman would have essentially fought in another reality are now with him. So the epilogue scenes add a lot and uh, we actually get teased about a lot of things that would have made it to potential sequels which yeah i honestly at this point would say i would pay money to watch because this movie was nice yeah and uh, as long as there's some sort of thematic consistency and not too many people meddling into creative affairs yeah these movies would have been these sequels would have been a lot of fun to watch yeah and then uh DC has done a great job when it comes to its animated extended universe, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like Flashpoint, Apocalypse War, all of those are really good movies. Uh, if they could only give that sort of free reign to directors and, and creators on the live action, uh, you know, versions of, of DC movies, it, it would be great. We could have something like Marvel, but except for characters that we've, as you said, we grew up watching. Um, no, I didn't know of Iron Man when I was growing up. I mean, maybe vaguely, but not not enough uh, to say but that. But the content that yeah. Marvel animated shows had was just pretty bad, except for maybe the X Men shows. Um, or oh, the Spider Man. Yeah, the, uh, the original yeah. Spider Man animated show. Yeah. Everything else was yeah. pretty mediocre. Yep, yep. And no one really cared for Marvel, at least when when we were kids. Like it was more like Batman, Superman, maybe Aquaman. If you're feeling generous about being nice to the uh, weird kid in class <laughs> yeah i think we were the weird kids in class though oh yeah for sure <laughs> yeah. um and speaking of weird things um i i think it's time to now talk about how weird it would be if you saw an ape and a lizard fighting it out in in the real world what am i talking about am i <laughs> Are you, are you talking about going to a zoo very high and all the animals getting loose and sort of fighting each other? <laughs> Not really. Uh, I'll give you another guess. <laughs> okay. Are you maybe talking about the big uh, monster epic that we just had, which is uh, Godzilla vs. Kong? Yep, I am talking about Godzilla vs. Kong. It's another HBO Max release, which has done financially very well. It has, and I'm, I'm, I would go so far as to say that it has saved cinema as <laughs> opposed to Tenet, which did not. Which, I, I thought Tenet destroyed the last two brain cells I had left. Yeah, it, it made my last two brain cells work in overtime and then kill themselves. Yeah. It, what, what the hell was happening in that movie? It was just chaos. Yeah, yeah, we're 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 going too much of a on too much of a tangent. We we'll discuss True. this at some point. We we should. Yeah, we should just get drunk and do an episode on Tenant and just try to see like if we can make sense of it while we are drunk at least. Yeah. 
who knows, maybe we could. Anyway, but coming back to the ape and the lizard who shoots uh, laser stuff from its mouth. <laughs> Atomic something. <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah. So he's yeah. basically like a nuclear uh, experiment as we find out in this movie. So mm-hmm. this movie has a lot of insane ideas, a lot of crazy ideas. It's sort of builds on the previous movie which was uh, Kong Skull Island and also on uh, the 2014 Godzilla movie and uh, it sort of brings both these characters both these epic characters with a lot of history together to duke mm-hmm. it out yeah and uh, we get a lot of callbacks to previous movies uh, the kid from Stranger Things uh, Millie Bobby Brown Yes, Millie Bobby Brown returns. We get uh, Paperboy from Atlanta. Like, oh yeah, he's in this movie. We also get uh, the the New Zealand-born kid from uh, Deadpool Two and uh, Hunt for Wilder People. For those who've watched that, yeah. So the cast that you're referring to was, I think, Paperboy, as you said. That's Brian Tyree Henry. There's also one more. Very surprising addition in, in, in terms of Rebecca Hall, mm-hmm. who I wouldn't really, you know, see in this sort of a movie, to be honest, because she, she does these uh, mostly indie numbers. She plays this sort of uh, Kong research expert. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. I don't, I don't, I don't see why uh, we shouldn't be laughing and still having a good time because it is that sort of movie. It is insane. It is completely deranged, but I had an absolute blast watching it. It's it's seeing a giant lizard and a giant monkey fight. And I was talking <laughs> to my sister about this earlier, and she was saying Godzilla's going to win, but then friendship won. No, uh, opposable thumbs win, Akshan. Opposable <laughs> thumbs. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, they were they were also trying to you know um, put God. I don't. This this is a sentence I didn't think I would say ever. I would have to say ever. Uh, but it seemed like they were putting King Kong in in a very sympathetic light. He's always sort of uh, been a sympathetic character. He's actually had a character versus Godzilla, who's sort of this force of nature who just shows up, wrecks stuff, and goes back to his water uh, whereas <laughs> kong has always had like a character he's always like falling yeah. in love and like getting whipped by some random woman he meets yep yep and he's always uh, had nice qualities about him he's, he's always been scratching his butt um you remember that's how the movie starts right which is amazing like it starts like yeah, how... he's just chilling inside that dome which is like a simulation yeah you have to contain him and he's grown too big so let's yeah. do a quick summary on that note. Um, I think you should take this up because I honestly don't know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we begin with uh, Kong sort of in this containment zone with uh, the company Apex. No, no, I think that's Monarch. Yeah, Kong is with Monarch and uh, Apex is looking at Kong. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Kong um, is with Kong is with Monarch, Monarch. Apex is with Gojira. Gojira, yeah. Uh, and uh, we basically see that uh, there's this uh, researcher who's working on like titans, and he finds out that 
there's this uh, energy source. Of course, the Earth is hollow. Of course, it is. Yeah. As uh, as posited by a theory in the previous movie. Yeah. So that's just taken as fact in this one. Yeah. And they have these points of entry into that uh, hollow Earth, mm-hmm. and it's actually uh, very very visually interesting because they show Kong going on this adventure. So these uh, researchers mm-hmm. uh, from Apex take Kong on the ship. Yeah. To go to one of these entry points in uh, Antarctica, I believe. Yeah. And uh, on the way, he's on this giant uh, carrier thing. Yeah, on the ocean, right? Where, where yeah. it's, it's the first fight sequence between Godzilla. That is where, yeah, Godzilla first attacks because he senses the presence of another Titan, which is like, I think that's a very reasonable um, yeah. reason for conflict between two giant animals. It's that yeah. he's just sort of a threat to him in yeah. the environment, even though this is not necessarily uh, Godzilla's territory. So they have a fight on the water, which is like Godzilla's uh, turf, so to speak, because he mm-hmm. has the advantage. Mm-hmm. You see a lot of really nice shots. It's not just a generic uh, monster fight. You see like one of those Jaws shots with uh, Godzilla's dorsal fins poking out of the water. Yeah. And a lot of perspective shots. And then there is that side-on view that's become the meme with Godzilla sort of just punching in, uh, Kong sort of punching into Godzilla. Yeah. And the the fight ends uh, with sort of Kong getting beaten up. And uh, they just sort of play dead. They turn off all their engines. They they make Kong... They don't make him anything. He's, he's, he's pretty much down for that. Yeah, now. yeah. And uh, Godzilla just uh, goes away, assuming he's dead at this point. Yeah. And uh, they have to figure out how to get Kong to Antarctica now. So they airlift him. They, they put him in a bunch of nets and a helicopter and just airlift him. And I thought that was very cool. <laughs> sure. <laughs> cool is one word for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need to go into the, this movie with a certain mindset. Yes, and, uh, that's true. I think I was in the right headspace to enjoy this. <laughs> just, just switch off my brain and just enjoy the chaos, the monsters, the the uh, pseudoscience. Yeah. And once they get to Antarctica, then Kong enters Hollow Earth, and then these guys from from Apex they've developed this technology uh, called uh, these carriers called Heaves. Hollow Earth uh, aviation vehicles or something. I'm that- getting that wrong. Yeah, it is well it does the job like that's what it does yeah. like it, they go into hollow earth and make sure all of the crazy things happening with gravity inversion or whatever the hell they they call it that that's mm-hmm. taken care of and people don't you know burst into nothingness uh and kong goes there and then actually at this point in the movie i suddenly veered off and i started thinking if a hollow earth actually existed would we have the pandemic in the hollow earth and if not is it a good time to take a trip there if, of course, you had the heaves uh, that, like, the Apex Industries uh, have. I would I would say it would be better in terms of the pandemic, but maybe not because there's all these giant creatures lurking about. And That's true, Giant yeah. dinosaurs, giant uh, lizards. So Kong is basically leading uh, Apex to this uh, energy source mm-hmm. that they need uh, yeah. under the Earth, mm-hmm. which, is, which serves as the power source for the Titans. And... Yeah. Uh, we, we learn a lot about Kong's backstory, about Kong's ancestors. And Kong fights these uh, bat lizard things 
on their way there as he guides them to the power source. And it's just very instinctive. They don't need to tell him anything. He's just taking them there. Mm. Yeah, he's in his natural habitat. And I think he also beheads one of them and then ends up eating all of the stuff inside. Yeah, he goes slurp, slurp. Yeah. Look like noodles. But yeah. Yeah. Extremely <laughs> disgusting. Green noodles. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, Apex Industries. Uh, the, the I think the 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 industry's leader, his daughter, is the one accompanying everyone here on on the mm-hmm. Hollow Earth journey, and she gets greedy. They, once they find the energy source, yeah, she tries to like extract the energy source. Yeah. And uh, stuff sort of goes sideways yeah. from there. Yeah. And. Uh, and then Godzilla digs. Uh, it was a god. Oh no! And then then there's a Mecha Godzilla. No, we need to mention the Kong's axe first. Oh yeah, fair enough. Hence the opposable thumbs. <laughs> That's a good argument. That's a good argument. So coming back to my uh, comment about opposable thumbs, we actually yeah. see it come true, and I was very surprised because we see Kong find this axe made of mm-hmm. scales from one of the older Godzillas. So it kind of serves as backstory between like the ancestors of Godzilla and Kong that uh, they have fought in the past and the Kongs have defeated the Godzillas. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. they made an axe out of it. And I think that's pretty cool because it serves as a weapon that can sort of penetrate uh, Kong's armor as well. And mm-hmm. it can also block Kong's energy beam attacks. Godzilla's energy beam attacks. Yeah. And he does end up using it towards the end. He uses it very well because he needs it. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla sort of uh, fires a beam into the hollow earth. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's, again, that's a great uh, plot device to just get us to the action really quick. It makes a shortcut for everyone to get back to uh, Hong Kong where the action is happening right now. And uh, Godzilla and Kong have like the main fight in the movie, which is actually very, very visually stunning. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, and it it's accentuated by the um, by the neon colored uh, city that that they portray Hong Kong to be. Right, like it it just looks so cool in in the nightlight. It's it looks really nice, and uh, yeah, I watched this on the projector, and I was just uh, awed by how good this movie would have looked in actual theaters. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and and then Apex on in Hong Kong is also developing something of a mechanical counterpart to Godzilla, which is Mecha Godzilla. To destroy all the uh, other titans. Yeah. And I think Godzilla senses that as a threat and then shows... And that's the reason why it shows up in Hong Kong. And then there mm-hmm. is a fight... Then, then there's a three-way fight now <laughs> between Godzilla, Mecha Godzilla, and King Kong. Uh, so more monsters. <laughs> it's less of a three-way fight than uh, initially Godzilla getting beat up by Mecha Godzilla, who is sort of this uh, Terminator-type creature that's yeah. showed up and like is uh, unnatural evolution, I would say. <laughs> is uh, superior to Godzilla. Yeah, sort of. Uh, yeah, and uh, eventually they end up defeating him with the power of friendship. Yep. And opposable thumbs. Uh, yes, I, I agree. Uh, Godzilla does take quite a bit of credit in, in that defeat of Mecha Godzilla. 
but I think Kong is the real savior coming in with his axe and just sort of whipping Mechagodzilla. That is also true. Yeah, actually, yeah, they both work together. And as you said, yeah, opposable thumbs. And friendship. And friendship. They, they both come in handy towards the end. And it's like a weird Western where, where the bad guy turns out to be this third guy. And then these mm-hmm. two, uh, Godzilla and, and Kong, the original organic uh, titans, they just, you know, sort of almost do a bow at each other and then God, Godzilla just walks away into the ocean. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a bow. It's, it's, it's something like uh, very uh, grudging respect unresolved sexual tension <laughs> almost uh, <laughs> we almost kiss at one point and i was i was very disappointed to see that it was just at almost i i, I saw i recently i recently saw a video where um <laughs> gods it's of course edited but but uh, godzilla and kong are making out and it's it's quite disturbing <laughs> But yeah, uh, it's 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 an interesting movie. It's 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 the kind of movie which is a no-brainer. You just go in, you enjoy whatever's happening, or you don't, and you get out. There is no deeper meaning to the movie, and there shouldn't be. It's Godzilla versus Kong. Like, why the hell are you going to watch this movie if you want deeper meaning? Like, what's Tree of Life? Exactly. Would uh, would you say uh, that uh, this movie gets uh, two opposable thumbs of such? It, it does, yeah. It, it actually does. Because it's, A, like, as you said, it saved cinema. <laughs> and B, it saved uh, friendship. And, and it, it shows us the healing and the powerful uh, nature of friendship. And, yeah. and that's always next, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And, and before, we, before we wrap up this episode, I also want to mention, I just realized, that the entire movie would not have been possible without a podcast. That is true. The one of yeah. the main plot points of the movie is this uh, conspiracy theory podcast by uh, yeah. <laughs> Brian Terry Henry's character and uh, the Titan Truth podcast. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's also a it's also a touching commentary on the on the powerful nature of podcasts. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's I yeah you're right. It does get to a possible thumbs up. It's it's a good it's a good watch during the pandemic or like even in general. It's definitely a light and fun watch here. Yeah. yeah, it is. Who doesn't want to see two monsters fight? Yeah, and then I think they have talked about maybe expanding this so-called monsterverse. Uh, mm-hmm. And then given the success that this movie has had, I wouldn't be surprised if they go in for like maybe you know even like Mothra and other titans that that they exist. have shown up in uh, kong versus uh, skull island mm-hmm. but like standalone yeah. movies yeah and godzilla the... king of the monsters as well mm-hmm. oh, uh, also one question i have here is i think this is more of a preference but what is your favorite godzilla movie like i know there's one which was in the 90s with matthew early 2000s i don't remember with matthew broderick right mm-hmm. and hank azaria uh, mm-hmm. who voiced Tragically, Apu from Simpsons, amongst other characters. Uh, and uh, there is one um, now, which is... With Brian Cranston. Yeah, yeah. So which one did you have, you know, which one did you enjoy more? I honestly like the more recent one, uh, The King of the Monsters. Because you get a lot of monsters, you get a lot of fights. That's what we're going to see. And I don't care about the humans yeah. in these movies, honestly. Who does? <laughs> fair. That's like fair. Like, ants yeah. to these titans 
puny humans that believe us the yep, face. Yep, yeah. Yep. yeah. All right. So that pretty much wraps up our discussion of why HBO Max is the <laughs> subscription you should be going mm-hmm. for. Uh, both these movies are available on HBO Max. Uh, it's been doing really well, uh, that that um, mode for HBO of releasing a movie for a couple of weeks uh, while it's also in theaters. Um, and I, I think if you if you can catch both of them, it'll be great. If you haven't caught Zack Snyder's Justice League, I guess the suggestion would be to either watch it in its entirety, four hours over the weekend, or if you want to watch it over the week, just treat it as like an episode-by-episode episode thing. And just watch the watch the parts one by one. Although it wouldn't have as much of a flow if you would do, a, you know, as opposed to a four-hour mm-hmm. viewing. And for Godzilla versus Kong, I think you can. It's it's a simple movie <laughs> for simpletons like us. <laughs> it's, it's just two monsters and good old-fashioned fighting. And I guess two thumbs up to both of them. They they are really nice, really chill. Well, one of them is really chill. The other is a little. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, it, they're both good movies. And yeah, it's it's a nice watch.